Hello and welcome to the Wittenberg Door, a weekly broadcast that examines what Lutheran Christians believe about God, the world, and us. I'm Pastor Brett Cornelius of Gethsemane Lutheran Church, and I invite you to join us for the next hour. And later, we will take questions at 740-383-9944, that's 740-383-WWGH, or on Facebook at the Wittenberg Door, where you can submit your questions live. Please join us now on the Wittenberg Door. Friday morning, everyone, and welcome to the Wittenberg Door. I'm your host, Pastor Brett Cornelius, and we welcome you to join us for the remainder of the hour as we discuss God, the world, and us. Uh, this program is sponsored by the Central Ohio Missions Association and Gethsemane Lutheran Church. The Wittenberg Door is a call-in program, so through the broadcast, we invite you to phone us as, with your questions or comments. Uh, the number is 740-383-9944. That's 383-WWGH. Uh, so, don't like what I say? Tell me. Uh, do you think I'm a jerk? Let me know. Uh, do you have a question about theology? Uh, maybe even something that's unrelated to our topic today. Give me a call. We would be happy to hear from you. So, very good. Now, before I begin the broadcast today, I want to tell you all about a study our church is having starting on January 9th. It's our adult catechesis class, and it's for those who are interested in learning about the Christian faith from a Lutheran perspective. It may be for those who are interested in finding a church, uh, and it might be just for those curious to know what Lutherans teach about the Bible and life and eternity, all those questions. Now, the class starts at uh, 2.30 in the afternoon, beginning January 9th, and it lasts for 12 weeks. It prepares those who are looking for a church home to be part of our church on Easter Sunday. So if you're interested in coming and you want more details, you can reach us uh, at our program Facebook page, The Wittenberg Door, uh, our church Facebook page, yeah, all kinds of Facebook pages here, uh, Gethsemane Lutheran Church, Marion, Ohio, or you can call our church phone and leave a message. The number is 740-375-0599. Uh, so keep, in, keep it in mind if it's something you think you'd be interested in, I I think I try to make them a, a little interesting, and uh, so uh, be happy to fill your questions today. And uh, but today, folks, um, you know we all know that we're getting close to Christmas, right? Right. It's almost Christmas. This uh, next next Friday will be Christmas Day. Uh, next Thursday's Christmas Eve. It's really right around the corner. And uh, if you're anything like me, you've procrastinated. And to the last minute, and it's which usually what I'm doing, I'm rushing around on Christmas Eve day and uh, <laughs> getting my last minute gifts and doing preparations and uh, completing sermons. It's a it's a oh, it's a busy time of year for me. I got about six sermons to do in the oh, next wow. two weeks. So that's a lot. So yeah, I'm gonna be busy. Yeah. I'm gonna be busy. So um, so, but anyway, this Sunday for us uh, is. The fourth Sunday in Advent. Now, Advent is, it's distinct from, there's a Christmas season. You know, we have, uh, do you know how, by the way, do you know how long the Christmas season is? Uh, all, all, winter, right, mostly? No. No? No. How long? It's 12 days long. 
Oh, yeah, because is that what the uh, 12 Days of Christmas That's what from? the 12 Days of Christmas yeah. is about. Okay. 12 days, it goes from December 25th to January 6th. And the reason it ends in January 6th is because uh, January 6th is Epiphany. It's uh, the day that the church celebrates the visit of the wise men. Uh, and by the way, the manger that you see, uh, you know, people set up their, their creches, their manger scenes, and you always have in the barn, you have the baby Jesus laying in the bed of hay and in the manger, and you have uh, the animals and the oxen are lowing and all the, you know, whatever the song says. Yeah. And then you have the wise men there presenting their gifts, which, um, you know, biblically, that's uh, that's not how it happened. By the time the wise men get there in Matthew chapter 2, um, the family is in a house. The holy family is in a house. And uh, it could be could have been up to two years after the birth of Jesus when the shepherds come and, and worship the newborn king. Uh, so it's uh, there's quite a distance between the two. But December 25th is the incarnation of our Lord, the birth of Jesus into the world. And, the, uh, and January 6th then is the uh, uh, epiphany of our Lord where Christ is manifest to the world. Christ is shown to be the, the savior of the world. And so those... 12 days between those two dates are the 12 days of Christmas, oh, right? Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, I used to be a real stickler with my wife. Now, I, I, <laughs> I can't get away with this anymore, but I used to be a real stickler with my wife, and I, I didn't want her to put up the Christmas tree during Advent. Oh, really? And I'll explain this to you in a second. But I didn't want her to put up the Christmas tree during Advent. So right up until the fourth Sunday in Advent, then we'd put the Christmas tree up, or sometimes even Christmas Eve day, we'd put the Christmas tree up. And then we leave it up until January sixth. Yeah, so twelve days of Christmas. Uh, now I'm I'm uh, I, I was a little uh, you know I needed to be corrected there, and and my wife got that straightened out. Uh, so she puts up the tree earlier now, and and um, but um, it was uh, uh, kind of I, I I think this is important uh, because Advent is. Is, it has a completely different theme and a very important theme. Um, Advent is a word that means coming. And what we, uh, what we think about during the season of Advent is the coming of our Lord, right? right. Now, there are churches who, uh, who do nothing but think about the second coming of Christ and the, you know, uh, that's almost uh, you know a lot of a lot of believers mm-hmm. uh, are wrapped up in the Book of Revelation and they get their local newspaper out and they set it next to the Book of Revelation and they try to figure out you know when all this is going to happen, which is kind of a futile exercise yes. because Jesus says no one knows the day or the hour. Right. But it is important to to remember that um, world history is coming to an end, folks. It's all going to end one day, and it's going to end on the day that that Jesus manifests himself to the world at his second coming. Uh, so Advent's very important. In Advent, we think about uh, what it is that we're going to receive when when Jesus comes, and, and uh, we think about the life to come. Uh, we think about the joy even in the midst of um, what are now tribulations and sorrows that we endure. Uh, and so we, really during Advent, we're thinking about the end of all those sorrows, the end of all tribulation. We hear about our brothers and sisters in Christ 
who are being imprisoned for their faith in Christ. They're being having uh, uh, oh, this 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 news that we get it from Syria and and from Libya about Christians being murdered, uh, brutally murdered for the sake of their faith. Um, and and we say, what Advent means is it means the end of all that. Right. It means it means the end of all those sorrows, and it means. For us, it means the inauguration of joy. It means, um, you know, uh, the, the, that, that last day is compared in Scripture to a wedding feast, uh, or the, the new day, um, which the last day inaugurates. It's, it's a wedding feast. It's a, it's a time of joy, a time of celebration, and a time when all these troubles and all, these, all, every, all the uh, remnants of the sinful world which plague us and give us sorrow, uh, all melt away. You know, when our loved ones are restored to us, those that have gone on and those who are with the Lord, they're restored to us. And, and uh, e uh, so, you know, we think about uh, the resurrection of the body. Many Christians don't ever think about this. Right. Uh, I've heard uh, pastors preach sermons in which the resurrection of the body wasn't even mentioned. Uh, you know, they they tell people, you know, that your loved one's in heaven or whatever. Come try to comfort, try to comfort the bereaved, and tell them that their loved one's in heaven, that they're at peace with God. And but it's almost like there's there's nothing else to it. And there's there's a lot more to it. There's uh, there's this restoration of all things, and Advent that all happens at the advent of Christ, at the coming of Christ when uh, world history is concluded and we are introduced to the new age where there is no sorrow but only joy, where there is no death, it, not even a memory. It, uh, there's no sickness, no pain. God, uh, Revelation tells us, will wipe every tear from our eyes. You know, it's all good, right? It's peaceful. Yes, and so the anticipation of that and the expectation of that is what the Advent season is all about. So, um, uh, and and of course, uh, we recognize that in in the in the Advent, in the theme of Advent, there is really kind of three aspects of the coming of Jesus. There is, of course, the the future coming, which we are waiting on. Uh, there is the uh, uh, the coming which has already occurred in, in our Lord's incarnation, which we turn to at Christmas time, you know, when, when Jesus came uh, to deliver his people from their sins. Uh, and, but then there's uh, also uh, another kind of aspect of Jesus coming, and that is when Jesus comes to us in the word and the sacraments, especially when he comes to us in the sacrament of the Holy Supper, when he comes to us under bread and wine, and there he is as present and as real physically as any place else, though you can't see him, you know, you can't, can't, uh, you don't have any uh, uh, physical or uh, uh, sensual 
uh, awareness of it. It's something we believe by faith because Jesus says it. But there is that, there is that coming. With, when Jesus comes to us on the Lord's Day, when Sunday, when the church gathers together and, and receives Christ, that is a coming of Christ. And there, of course, there Christ comforts us. There, uh, all the joys of the last day and the new age are kind of uh, coming backward to us. And although we don't experience experience them in their fullness, we're experiencing them somewhat, even even with these these little times that we have with Christ in the Lord's Supper or in the in the divine service when we are with Christ as he promises to be with us on that day. So mm. so uh so there's that too. But Advent is uh, it's the coming of our Lord and and largely it's something we we look forward to. So So uh, uh, can I ask you a question? Sure, yeah. Well, what's the Armageddon? I mean, I I they talk about, about Yeah. Is that Arm- part of it? Uh-huh. Well, um Armageddon is uh it's a uh kind of a showdown that's mentioned in the book of Revelation. Um, uh, you know, uh, what we have to remember about the book of Revelation is it comes to us in, in kind of a picture languages, right? So um, uh, uh, what I mean by that is um, it's almost like dream language. You know, when you're in a dream, you don't really see things as they are, but you kind of see things in, in representation, in metaphors, right? Right. So uh, the book of Revelation is very strongly metaphorical, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, uh, you know, when it, when it talks about uh, this battle at Armageddon in which, you know, the slain, what is it, like uh, 200,000 yeah. miles that the, yeah. the blood is raised to, to four feet of blood, you know, yeah. it's very, very kind of... Uh, what that... What that in, what that means? And this is, good, but I mean, it's a great question because oh. this is another aspect of Jesus's coming. That aspect is judgment. Uh, so, for believers, for instance, the coming of Jesus means deliverance. You know, Jesus tells us who believe in Him. Mm-hmm. He says, "When you see all these things take place, all these signs, all this persecution, all this hostility," He says, "When you see all these things take place." Lift up your heads. You know, don't, don't get discouraged about these things because your redemption is drawing near. In other words, I'm on my way, right? right, right. Um, uh, so what it means for us is, is good. Now, what it means for those who are disobedient, for those who have refused to believe in, in Christ, uh, it, means, it does mean something much different. It means judgment. judgment. And, you know... Um, uh, oftentimes, in ancient times, uh, the way judgment was expressed on a nation was a, a, another force, another power, a foreign nation would come in and would, would crush the opposition. Mm-hmm. And so what, what Armageddon is all about in Revelation is about God crushing the opposition. Oh. And so it's about the judgment of the unbeliever. And uh, which... Uh, you know, we we are warned about in our text today as we yeah. go through the text today. Uh, so I don't know. Does that answer your question? Does. Is that, Thank you. Yeah. Okay. All right. So good. Good. I yeah. I was able to answer a question. Yeah. That, that makes me feel sense. good. All right. <laughs> now I got a little more confidence to go on here. Okay. Uh, 
Now, folks, there's, uh, of course, uh, in our church, we have three lessons each Sunday. We have, uh, usually, we have an Old Testament lesson. Sometimes that's, um, uh, sometimes that's uh, substituted uh, with uh, the book of Revelation uh, at certain times of the year. Uh, and we use that as a first reading. But the Old Testament lesson, then we have an epistle lesson. The epistles are letters that the apostles wrote to the churches. And then we have uh, a gospel lesson, kind of like the, the, the culmination of our readings is that we hear from Jesus himself in the gospels, or we hear about Jesus himself in the gospels. And uh, so that's what we do this week. And the Old Testament lesson this week is from Deuteron- Deuteronomy chapter 18, uh, starting in verse 15. And this is what this is what the text, the lesson for this Sunday says. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. This is Moses speaking, by the way. The Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Uh, So there ends the lesson. Um, Now, uh, you know, uh, Sean, have you... uh, have you ever had um, somebody uh, say to you, well, you know, if God, if God were real, why doesn't he just show himself to us? I have. That's yes. kind of a common argument you'll hear from, right. from atheists sometimes, uh, people, unbelievers. Uh, or or uh, sometimes you'll hear, uh, even from believers, uh, you'll kind of hear that, you know, wouldn't it be nice to, if God would appear to me, you know, and, and uh, sometimes that's encouraged by these kind of ev- these uh, TV preachers that talk about Jesus appearing to them. And, you know, one famous TV preacher who said uh, Jesus appears to him while he's shaving. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> and I had other people say, you know, uh, if God is real, um, why does he give miracles to certain people? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, uh, that's a great question. I'm gonna yeah. let me come back to this other one here, because okay. uh, I know this is a, an objection we've always heard. If God is real, why is it? Why doesn't He just show Himself? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so, um, well, why? Here's the here's the real question: Would you be ready for it if He did show Himself? Good question. Yeah. If God came to you, would it be one of these events in your life that was like? Hey, cool, you know. Yeah. Uh, no, it wouldn't. <laughs> if God in his, in his glory somehow appeared to you, it would be terrifying. If he showed you his full glory, you, you couldn't live. You couldn't handle it, right? right. Because of who we are, we're, we're sinners by nature, fallen creatures from Adam. And uh, and so uh, to we 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 would melt in the presence of God. It's like uh, being thrown into a a furnace over here at the steel plant. Right. You know, it just you could not handle it. Right. And God's glory is so great that it's, the Israelites, by the way, 
who get a little, a little taste of it at Mount Sinai understand this. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine, uh, of course, God has been very gracious to these Israelites. We know from, from uh, the book of Exodus, he has delivered them from slavery in Egypt and brought them through the Red Sea, delivered them from their enemies, and brought them to Mount Sinai, where God is going to speak to them. Now, this is the giving of the Ten Commandments. Have, have you ever seen the uh, Charlton Heston movie, by the way, The Ten Commandments? No, I always wanted to see it, though. I mean, okay. Maybe I'll try to watch it. Here. You should watch it this weekend. Okay. okay. Uh, it's a good one to do. Actually, uh, you know, Ben-Hur is another great Charlton Heston movie. Oh, is it? Great. And for this time of year, uh, for the birth of Jesus, it's great. It's a great. If you've never seen Ben-Hur, also, that was written. That was a book written by... Uh, uh, a Civil War general. Did you know that? Lee Wallace know. was a Civil really? War general. He wrote Ben-Hur, which was made into a movie by Cecil, Cecil B. DeMille, uh, Charlton Heston. That, get, see that movie. That's a right. great movie. I'll check it out. Uh, but uh, now I just I got so excited about the movie that I lost track of what I was going to say. Uh, well, in the, in the Ten Commandments, in the movie, in the Cecil B. DeMille movie, you have, God, you have Moses kind of going up on the mountain and and God speaks to Moses and tells him the Ten Commandments, and then Moses brings back these Ten Commandments on two tablets, right? Right. Which uh, Moses does go up up into the mountain, but when God begins to speak, when uh, all the people are assembled at the foot of the mountain, it's not Moses that speaks the Ten Commandments from God, but it's God Himself speaking. And um, and and the people of Israel who are getting just a a little taste of what God's glory is like. And they they see the uh, fire burning on the mountain and they and and there's you know there's the thunder and there's uh, it is an awesome moment. Mm -hmm. And then God begins to speak and he begins to say the Ten Commandments from the mountain so that everybody at the foot of the mountain hears him. And when they hear him, what is their reaction? It's not, wow, this is really cool. I can hear God, you know? Right. No, it's, I don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> Forget it. This is, this is, this is too much, right? Uh-huh. Because they are, they're, getting, they're not even seeing God. They're not, you know, uh, really near God. They're at the foot of the mountain. He's on the mountain. Uh, but just as near as they are, and the fact that they can hear his voice, is it's too much for them. And so they say to Moses, don't let God speak to us anymore. Let God speak to you, and then you tell us what God says. Right? Right. So that's in Exodus mm-hmm. chapter 20 and 21. And then... Um, and then Deuteronomy, which is the, the book we're reading from today for the Old Testament lesson, that, that book then is Moses rehearsing everything that happened to the Israelites over the last 40 years, their journey through the desert especially, and, and all the things that have occurred. And Moses is reminding them of everything that happened. And that's when Moses says, hey, guys, remember that time when God spoke to you and you couldn't handle it? And you said, don't let God speak to us anymore. Um, well, uh, he says, um, uh, the Lord God heard that. 
right? And, and in accordance with your wishes, God is going to do exactly that. In other words, God is not going to come to you in fire and in a voice of thunder and, and in, a, in, in this awesome way in which his glory is, but right now you can't handle it because of your sin. It's right. like, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson, if I wish I could say it like Jack Nicholson, you can't handle God, you know. <laughs> uh, you can't handle the truth. Right. Uh, well, this is, you can't handle God. And so what God does is he comes to us in, in, in among, among the, their brothers, he says, raise up a, a prophet, from you among your brothers, God comes to us in human flesh. Is that where that term call, comes from? God works in mysterious ways, almost, basically? Well, you know, we can say uh, that's, uh, mean, that's not a scriptural, uh, yeah. but, but God, well, uh, I'm not sure how to, um, yeah. I would say uh, God, God's, uh, certainly the mystery of the incarnation Right. It, it is mysterious yeah. that God, you know, and this is what we're getting ready to celebrate uh, this coming Friday, is God becoming man. Right. And uh, uh, so here's this. Uh, so, yeah, I guess you could say in that sense, yeah. God God comes to us in mysterious ways or God works in mysterious ways. Well, uh, um, here, he's, he, uh, he, what he's saying is this God that appeared to you, the God that you can't handle because of his awesomeness and his power and his glory is going to come to you in a way that's not awesome and not powerful and, and really in a way that you, don't, you won't see as glorious. He's going to come to you wrapped in this skin tent, the prophet that I raise up, it, which will actually be God's Son in the flesh. So all the glory that was on Mount Sinai is really in Jesus when he's born. But people don't see it. People aren't confronted with it. What they see is, is the gentle Savior. Uh, Jesus says, I am uh, humble, right? And uh, um, in other words, God in Christ is coming to us in a much different way then he comes to us at Mount Sinai, where we hear the law, right? Right. So we hear the law, even now. You know, when we, when, really, when we start talking about sin, uh, people become uncomfortable. Yeah. We're not comfortable with sin because when we talk about sin, there's this impending sense of judgment that, that comes with it, you know? And when we talk about God, what God tells us to do, when we're honest with ourselves, um, there's, uh, there's that sense that, oh boy, yeah. boy, I have had to come close to it, right? right. If we're really honest with ourselves, um, because we're sinners. And so um, when, when God comes to us in the law like he does at Mount Sinai, this is, this, this is horrifying, right? Right. But... but but what Moses is promising in the Old Testament lesson is God is going to come to you in a, in a much less threatening way, actually in a, in a very comforting way, which is what God does in Christ. He comes to us gentle. He comes to us offering us salvation. Uh, he comes to us um, 
bringing salvation with him, right? Uh, the angels, when they appear to the shepherds, which is, 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 a, is a glorious sight. But the angels, what do they say? Unto you is born a Savior. So, when, you know, on the mountain we hear judgment. If you don't do this, guess what, right? Right. But in the proclamation of Jesus' birth, we hear, here's someone who's going to save you from all that. He's going to rescue you. He's going to deliver you from your sins. He's going to deliver you from judgment. He's going to deliver you from God's judgment. And how does he do that? By wrapping himself in our garment, right? right. By becoming one of us, by identifying with us, and then doing something we never could have done, keeping the Ten Commandments perfectly. That's what Jesus did. He kept all those perfectly. You know, God says of Jesus in his baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, right? And uh, so Jesus was well-pleasing to God. He kept God's law. And then he went to the cross and suffered for us in our place because we failed to keep the law. So the judgment that all those Israelites at the foot of Mount Sinai were kind of expecting from God because of his awesomeness, it all fell on Jesus at the cross. We know this. Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? Right. He says, uh, I am thirsty. We see him. We see the God-man suffering for our sake on the cross. And, um, and, 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 and because he does this, he becomes to us that one whom, to whom we listen. Right? Right. Jesus, Jesus says things like, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, right? right. And we listen to that. And he says, um, uh, whoever believes in me does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death and into life. And, 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 and we listen to that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, um, uh, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And the one who comes to me, I will never turn away, right? And we listen to that. We take comfort in that. We see all the things that Jesus did, all the good that he did for those who were suffering and those who were in in peril. And we see um, in the life of Christ all that he did in his life, death, and in his resurrection when he, he, you know, at the cross where he robbed Satan of his power, which was sin, right? And he robbed Satan of his power and he rises victoriously on the third day. And and he you know he uh, he he makes us all he justifies us he declares us righteous for Christ's sake. Uh, now that's the salvation that the God of Mount Sinai has given to us. And here's what here's what G, here's what Moses says. He says um, <clears throat> to him you shall listen. He says it's to him you shall listen. And whoever <coughs> oh, excuse me. And whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. In other words, look, God has given us a way of escape. God has given us salvation in Jesus Christ. If you ignore the salvation that God is providing through Jesus Christ, look out. Because if you turn from this one, this gentle one who comes to you speaking these words of comfort, 
The only thing you have left is the God of the mountain and the God of judgment and Armageddon. Yeah. We were talking about earlier, right? right. Uh, the, there, that's all that's left. God has provided a Savior in Christ, and, and that's the one we have. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's great. Yeah. yeah. That's good. You, you summed that up really good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sure my uh, <laughs> seminary professors would be happy yeah. uh, to, to hear that I'm summing something up. Uh, I would have a little difficulty with that sometimes uh, when I was in my classes. Uh, okay. Um, now, I'm going to skip over the epistle lesson. We'll come back to that if we have time. Okay. But I want to get to the... Uh, uh, gospel lesson because um, as I said earlier this is the fourth Sunday in Advent this is last Sunday in Advent and Advent I, I think this gospel lesson uh, more than anything captures the spirit of Advent now there's an alternative gospel lesson from the gospel of John the first chapter of John and it kind of deals with John the Baptist and his proclamation that after me, one is coming, you know. Um, but I, but we're going to use uh, this alternate gospel lesson from Luke chapter 1. And this, is, um, this gospel lesson occurs after the angel Gabriel has come to Mary and announced to her that she'll bear a son, David's son, uh, son of God, who will sit on David's throne. And, um, uh, and so she's got that news, and she's also, by the way, heard the news that her cousin, Elizabeth, is pregnant with, uh, who it turns out to be John the Baptist, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so Mary, the first thing she does when she, when she gets the news and she conceives through the promise spoken, uh, she goes to her sister, her cousin, I'm sorry, her cousin Elizabeth. And, uh, and this is a wonderful gospel lesson here. Uh, so starting in chap chapter 1 of Luke in verse 39, In those days Mary arose and went in haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who has believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, in response, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. And uh, this is the gospel of the Lord, as we say. <laughs> uh, well, uh, okay, so by the way, uh, 
who is more expectant and hopeful than a pregnant mother, right? Right. I think this is why this is such a great uh, text for the fourth Sunday in Advent, because it really it really brings out this hopeful expectation. Um, um, this was what's so wonderful about uh, reproduction and and uh, and uh, the way people come into the world and and the whole idea of of conceiving and bearing children. It's you know most of the time, and 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 I know there there are exceptions, uh, but most of the time, when a mother hears that she's going to give birth to a child. There's there's joy, right. Right? There, there's happiness, and there should be always should be happiness, and uh, you know uh, sometimes in circumstances where it's difficult, there's an apprehension and there's but that's you know that's uh, that shouldn't be. Uh, there should be joy that God is bringing another life into the world. That's what's so what's so tragic about abortion, right. for instance. It's just. Uh, it's a it's a negation of this joy. It's a it's a, a a repudiation of of the joy of life, and, uh, and but here we see we see it in full bloom, not only because Elizabeth is pregnant who, with this child who will be John the Baptist, but Mary is pregnant with the Christ, with the Lord, the Son of David, and the. And, and the one who will sit on David's throne. And uh, even Elizabeth recognizes that this is different. You know, Elizabeth is happy because she's pregnant. She's going to bear a child. But, but she recognizes, you know, this is something, you, most pregnant women, they're concerned about their own child, their own, you know. Not, not Elizabeth. Really. Elizabeth sees that the real joy, the real joy is her child, right? Right. Uh, because... Her child is our Savior. She, she says, how is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? By the way, this is why the church has always called Mary the mother of God. Uh, it's not because we're saying that Mary is some kind of uh, semi-deity or something. But it's because we're saying that the, the child that Mary carried in her womb was God himself. And she was his mother according to the human nature. But, but God, it, God was in her womb, right? right? That's different. That's never happened to anybody else. That only happened one time to Mary, right? right. And so um, when the church calls Mary the mother of God, this is the reason. This is what Elizabeth is doing here. Elizabeth is, is saying, the mother, how is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Because Elizabeth recognizes that in Mary's child, God is doing something wonderful and great, not only for Mary, but for all of humanity. And so, um, uh, so Elizabeth says to Mary, uh, she's filled with the Holy Spirit, by the way, filled with the Holy Spirit. And, um, and she says, uh, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Uh, because, uh, you know, the, Mary's different, and, and this child is different. This is not just another child. By the way, uh, this is the great mystery of the Incarnation, 
is that God becomes man, right? So when we when we think about the uh, uh, who Jesus is, and, and and our salvation, by the way, isn't possible with just a man. No man could redeem us from our sins. It had to be God in the flesh who does this, and so um, so Elizabeth is right. Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, is recognizing that this is different, right? And right. she's joyous about it. And um, uh, even John the Baptist, in a, in a way that we don't understand, even John the Baptist, through the greeting of Mary, is joyful. And by the way, you talk about I mentioned abortion uh, a few moments ago. This is another text in which, at least for Christians who believe what the Bible says, here is John the Baptist in the womb able to experience joy at six months, uh, so 24 months, right? Right. Um, we've been arguing in our country about when the when, when a, the fetus is viable and when it's an actual human being. Well, uh, of course, we don't, science doesn't give us that answer. So, the, you know, the, the, the best thing we can say is from the moment of conception, right? right. But here we know when it would be legal in many places to put this child to death because it's not really a person. Uh, here is a person with joy and faith, right? Right. Uh, we, we need to keep that in mind. Well, anyway, um, so what Mary does is she says, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, the God who is in her womb. And um, what is, and, and so, so she rejoices, and this is, a, uh, this is a canticle that we sing in the church called the Magnificat. Most liturgical churches sing it. Um, but it is a, a, a celebration, a, a joyous proclamation, a spirit-filled proclamation of what God is doing in Christ. And his, uh, so he, she says things like, God has done great things for me. Well, God has done great things for all of us in this child that's born of Mary. Uh, his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. In other words, this child comes to bring mercy. This child comes to bring forgiveness and life and salvation. Um, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Uh, this is this is a child of strength. This is someone who comes to be strong. Uh, this is the stronger man who defeats the strong man. You know, we have Satan who has captured us all by his lies and his evil and held us bound in his kingdom until Christ comes along to break his power at the cross and to rescue us and save us. He has shown strength with his arm. It's at the cross where Jesus shows his true strength, which doesn't look like strength, does it? No. God's hidden strength comes comes to us at the cross and, and helps us. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Um, you know, and this is uh, the difference between the the uh, the those of pride and those uh, humility. Um, uh, Christ comes to rescue those who have been humbled by what we when we say God's law you know earlier God's law has humbled each of us if if we're honest shows us that we're sinners and um, uh, you know those who don't get that 
who remain humble, who say to them, I'm a good person, I'm capable, God will love me because of who I am, and uh, choose to remain in their pride. He has come to, to humble the proud, but he's come to lift up the humble. For those who know they're sinners, know they need a Savior, this one comes to rescue them. He says, oh, this is, this is wonderful here. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Now, you know, uh, I mentioned to you earlier that at, at our church, of course, every Sunday we have the Lord's table. We have communion every Sunday at our church. And this is where this Savior here that, that Mary is singing about fills us with good things, fills us with the best things, gives us his own body and blood for the forgiveness of sins and life and salvation. Uh, and that is only, this meal that he gives to us is only for sinners. It's not for the righteous. Jesus says, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, it's not for those who say, I don't need forgiveness. It's for those who say, I'm so messed up. Yeah, right. All I, all, my only hope is that God forgives me. Right? And in, in that meal, he fills the hungry with good things. But the rich, those who won't acknowledge their sin, he sends away empty. Uh, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. In other words, God made lots of promises to us throughout our history, Mary's saying. And now he's keeping his promises. Right? right. In the birth of Jesus, God is keeping his promises. And that's what's so wonderful about Christmas, you know. Uh, we have Santa out here in the hallway. These kids are wonderful. They love Santa. They love the you know the stories of the reindeer, and and uh, they love getting their presents, obviously. But that's really not what's so wonderful about this time of year. It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? right? It truly is. Yeah. But for the reason that in this time of year that we celebrate, God has sent us a Savior. God himself has become one of us to save us and to rescue us and to bring us eternal salvation. Not to come to us with fury and judgment, but to come to us in gentleness and humility and offer us life. So we got, uh, oh, we got one more minute left, right? One minute left? About 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Folks, thank you for being with us. I'm losing track of time again. Thank you for being with us. We uh, hope that you'll join us again next Friday. is Christmas Day. We'll have a recorded show for you. We hope that you'll join us for that. And uh, we ha have a blessed week. You're listening to WWGH Radio LP 107.1 FM, Marion, Ohio, the place for holiday fun. For legendary actor and spokesperson for Quaker Oats, Wilford Brimley, reading Twas the Night Before Christmas. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney was there, and hopes of St. Nicholas would soon be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while reading from sugar plum.